you. I'm gonna, can I put this over here? Yes, it's behind the projector. So the first word that Johannes brought this year, for those of you who are here, he brought a word to say that the Lord put three words on his heart for this year, for 2022. Who can remember what they were? <laughs> we ask that every week. Um, okay, so it was faith, focus, and trust. And I feel like every word that God brings us or shares with us to bring every Sunday taps into those three words. And Johannes and I last week did a little bit of a weekend away from a Monday to a Wednesday. We went to Swakop. Um, Johannes knows that if he can take the, the born Capetonian to the beach for three days, she'll be okay again for a little while. So we went to the beach. It was short, but it was sweet. And... While we were there, I actually said to Johannes, I am so tired. <laughs> Who relates with me in the beginning of April that you feel like you've had a whole year since December? Is anyone else feeling like that? I don't know what has happened this year, but it just feels like it's been intense, I mean. And I said to the Lord, Lord, I'm really tired. <laughs> I really need refreshment in my soul of souls or something, but I need something to keep me going for the rest of the year. And I felt the Holy Spirit spoke a specific scripture to my heart again, and reminding me that, do you know what the real rest actually is? Do I understand that when Jesus speaks about rest, and we'll get to the scripture in a moment, what is real rest really? What is the kind of rest that Jesus talks about? Because when I read scriptures where Jesus talks about rest, my idea of rest, my picture, and I know we all have our pictures, is if you can imagine the Maldives, white beaches, turquoise waters, green palm trees, that's my little picture. Hawaii, type of vibe, For Johannes, it's desert, nothing that's his idea. I'm like, if there's no water, it doesn't sound refreshing to me. And so we all have our idea of what rest is. But it was like the Holy Spirit was just reminding me afresh that the kind of rest that Jesus is talking about goes way deeper and way beyond just catching up on a little bit of sleep. The rest that Jesus wants us to be in and walk in and live in is much, much deeper. Much, much deeper. And I want to read this scripture to you. And we are basically going to camp here this morning. It's in Matthew 11, and everyone will know this. And we love to quote it also when we are tired. <laughs> Matthew 11, verse 28 to 30, and it says this. This is Jesus speaking, and he says, come to me. All who are weary and heavily burdened. Are there any people here feeling weary and heavily burdened this morning? Heavily burdened by religious rituals that provide no peace. And I will give you rest, refreshing your souls with salvation. Verse 29. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me following me as my disciple. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest, renewal, 
and a blessed quiet for your souls. And verse 34, my yoke is easy to bear and my burden is light. And so that was the scripture I sat with all week and I thought, Lord, I know this scripture. I always quote it to myself. Yes, Jesus' burden is light. But what does that actually mean? It's one thing to quote a scripture, but how do I actually apply it? Like, what does it actually mean? And if you, if you go and do a proper study on this, you will see that it's actually so fascinating. I haven't shared everything with you this week because I was so blown away by the fresh revelation that the Lord actually gave me about this that I was like, Lord, we actually need to meditate on this for the rest of the year because I think then we'll, we will make it. <laughs> then we will actually be okay if we can understand this. But you know what's interesting is that that rest that Jesus is talking about, when you go and do a study and there's, I actually want to encourage us as a church to allow ourselves this year to go deeper into the Word. Because we often want to try and apply things that we don't understand the depth of. But the rest that Jesus is talking about is not the tropical island that I envision. <laughs> it's not necessarily sleeping for seven nights and now I've had a good holiday. He's actually talking about an inner rest in my soul. An inner rest in my soul, because you know who's ever been on holiday, and you sleep, you don't put your emails on, you don't open your laptop, but you're not at rest. I know there's many of us in the room. I don't switch off here, and I don't switch off here. And my binnenkant is at chaos. My body is trying to relax, but on the, on the inside, it's chaos. On the inside, I'm actually not at peace. On the inside, I'm not at rest. And Jesus is saying, that is the kind of rest that I want you to live in. Seven days a week, and we're going to talk about the Sabbath. And it's not necessarily going to be everyone's uh, revelation. So that's going to interesting yes. But real rest is actually a person. Jesus is saying that real rest is not a holiday. Real rest is a person. Real rest is Jesus himself. That's the bottom line that he's actually teaching us. Real rest is an internal rest of our souls, our mind, our will, our emotions, our heart, that absolutely trusts and relies in the fact that he is the one holding all things together. I have to be honest with you, this first year, this, well, this year, now, 20, where are we, 2022, I started feeling a little anxious again. Now, I, I've shared my testimony about anxiousness before and how God has delivered me, but you know, when you allow your mind to actually race and you don't control and take your thoughts captive, according to the truth of God's word, you can find yourself very quickly back in a place of fear and anxiety. And with this whole move and our church suddenly growing and things are happening and the ministry is moving forward at a great pace, which we've been praying for, I started feeling a little anxious. Okay, Lord, how are we going to do this? <laughs> There's only two full-time people employed at this church right now. Everything else that happens is done by our incredible volunteer team. But they can also only carry so much for such a time when a church is constantly growing. And I was honestly thinking to myself, Lord, 
you know, you get to a place and you can apply this in your own life. Maybe you feel like in your family, you feel like you are the one holding everything together. You don't have to put up your hand, but I know there's many of us in this room. You feel like your business, if you are not there, it will crumble. You feel like you are the one, you take your responsibility seriously, but with that comes a burden that weighs so heavy on you that it takes you out of a place of rest and peace. And now we feel exhausted and tired all the time, but it's not actually necessarily just physical tiredness. It's mental and emotional tiredness that we are talking about. And the Lord reminded me of this scripture, and I was so convicted in a beautiful way. Colossians 1.17, it's not in your notes, but write this down. Colossians 1.17, it said that Jesus is the one that holds all of creation together. Honestly, I tell you, when I read that again, it was like everything just washed over me. A peace came over me. It's not up to me. It's not up to your highness. Whatever it is that you are feeling responsible for, Jesus is actually the one holding all of creation together, not you and I. And if we can get that truth settled in our inner being, I'm telling you, it will remove half if more than most of our fears and anxieties and stresses and worries and concerns and sleepless nights. And I believe that Jesus wants to remove weights and burdens from all of us today that we are carrying that we were never supposed to carry. Because I believe that's why many of us are exhausted after three months, four months. Maybe it's been years. Maybe you've been tired for a long time. And Jesus says, today I want to refresh your soul. I want to do something deeper as give you an early night. I want to refresh your soul. Amen? I love that. He holds all things together. If we can just memorize that. I think that's the thing I'm going to put on my mirror. He holds all things together. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, now there's two things that I noticed when I read through this scripture in Matthew 28. And maybe the guys can, te- uh, the team can put up, and go back to Matthew 11:28, 28. And it says there, come to me, all who are weary and heavily burdened. Now, you know, the reason I use the Amplified Version is because it explains a lot of the Greek and Hebrew phrases and words. And it says there, why are people wearied and burdened? His audience that he was talking to, they were weary and burdened by religious rituals that provided no peace. Now, what was the context? We always have to understand the context. So in Matthew, the context was Jesus was speaking to people whom came, the Israelites came out of a Jewish background. Remember, they came from the Old Testament, and there were still a lot of Pharisees and religious leaders and scribes and scholars of the day who still held on to all of those Old Testament laws and rituals. But remember, when Jesus came in the New Testament, Jesus came to abolish, not to abolish the law, but to fulfill the law. In other words, the covenant of grace, and we don't have time to go into it, in too much detail today, but it actually came to release us from those burdens, to release us from those 
uh, rituals, those legalistic requirements that the Israelites under Moses had to deal with. Number one, he was talking about people who labor in their souls. Remember before Jesus, the law was actually there to actually bring death to people. So when people were laboring in their souls, it meant that they were trying to work for their salvation. They were trying to work for the grace of God. They were trying to work for having God, his favor upon them. Amen? They were trying to labor in their souls. They were trying to earn God's favor, love, and attention, and trying to please the Lord in their own strength. But when Jesus came, he said, you don't need to do that anymore. But what was happening in this context was that the Pharisees and religious leaders of the day were still holding those yokes and burdens over people's heads. And they were still teaching people that you have to obey these rules and regulations, only then God will love you. Only then God will smile upon you and you will have his favor. And what were they actually doing? They were killing people on the inside. They were removing people from the rest of God that Jesus actually came to give through salvation, which is only by faith. So he was trying to say that those who labor in their souls, those are the ones that he tried to come and free them from that. Okay, and how does that manifest for us today? A lot of people are Christians, but they are still trying to earn right standing with God through striving, through trying to do my own thing, through trying to work out for my salvation. I have to do good works. I have to serve in church in order to be saved. I have to pay my tithes in order for God to be at peace with me. And that is an Old Testament mindset. Amen? That is not the grace covenant that Jesus actually came to establish. If we had to work for our salvation, then the cross was not necessary. So Jesus was first addressing people laboring in their souls, and we still do it today many times. We try and earn, and that's where we get tired on the inside. We're not at peace. We struggle sometimes to just rest in faith by believing. God is pleased with me. Okay? Sometimes when we don't understand our righteousness, in other words, when I became a child of God, I immediately received right standing with Jesus Christ. That's part of the good news of the gospel. That is the good news. And if I don't understand that, then I will always live with this heavy yoke of guilt and condemnation. I will always feel condemned every day that if I missed something or did something wrong, that's how many of us grew up. And Jesus says, that's not why I came. Those who are heavy laden, those who feel crushed and burdened under heavy religious duties. And Jesus was actually referring to Matthew 23 verse 4, which said that the Pharisees, uh, where is it now? The Pharisees were actually burdening people with all of these laws. They were putting heavy spiritual laws on people that they themselves were not even willing to do. So that's why Jesus came, first of all, to show the contrast. I actually came to give you rest. My yoke is easy. There is still a yoke, but we will talk about what that yoke is. My yoke is easy and my yoke is light. Now you can show the picture of the yoke. So what is a yoke? I know many of us know this, but in the old biblical times, ancient times, they used the farmers and the agricultural guys used a yoke 
on animals like oxen and I don't know what other type of animals, I just know of the ox, okay, that they would use on two animals to actually have them plow and work together. And the idea like this is you would have an older ox that would be stronger, I wouldn't say wiser, if we could apply it to people, it would be wiser, but he would be older, he would know what to do, and he would carry more of the weight to actually teach the younger ox to walk with him. And he will actually, the whole idea of the yoke was so that one ox wouldn't, number one, carry all of it, because they were pulling whatever they were pulling equipment to do the agricultural, to do the harvesting in the lands, but this idea was that the one would actually pull more weight than the other one. And it would pull them together so they can actually get the job done. But it was also so the younger one can learn exactly what to do with the older ox. And Jesus used that picture because he's trying to explain that that is his yoke. That is the yoke that he actually wants us to carry. He wants us to carry his yoke, where he carries most of the weight. Is that a fresh revelation for anyone this morning? I saw this picture in my heart, and I'm like, Lord, why am I carrying on to weight that was never mine to carry? No wonder I feel crushed and burdened. And Jesus says, my yoke is light. In other words, the idea is Jesus wants to be the older ox. What did he say in verse 29? Walk with me and learn from me. He wants us to be yoked with him so that, number one, he can actually pull the weight, but that he can also show us and teach us where he wants us to be. And many times we walk in places and we get ourselves into things that I think are way more than what God actually wants us to have on our plate. Amen? He actually says, my burden is light. They are to walk together literally every day without separation. And really what we are talking about when we're talking about a yoke is we're actually talking about submission. The younger ox can go nowhere. He is actually yoked to the bigger one with the idea of he submitted to him. He can't go astray. He can't actually be slight, okay, I can't go with you. I'm stuck. <laughs> I have to submit myself to this process. And sometimes I think we can be that type of younger ox where we are now a bit rebellious and we don't want to go that way. We want to go our own way. And we don't realize that's the burden and the heavy laden way. Jesus' yoke of submission is not actually to punish us. It's to actually take us into a lighter place. It's to take us into that place of permanent rest and peace in him. Amen. That to me was amazing when I read that again, and I was like, okay, Lord, we need to be yoked to you. We need to be yoked to Jesus, because it actually also remembers, uh, resembles the idea of slavery. And Jesus says, I don't want you to be enslaved to your previous masters of sin, because that's also a burden, a spiritual burden that we carry that Jesus came to take away, the burden of sin. And we might not realize it, but sin carries a very heavy burden. Sin weighs very heavy. And Jesus said, I actually came to, to remove that. The Pharisees try to make people slaves to the Old Testament laws, and Jesus says, I am not like those other masters. 
I am not a master of fear. I am not a master of anxiety. I'm not a master of the law. I'm actually gentle and humble in heart. That is my character, and that's the kind of leader that he wants to be to us. He wants to lead us into that place of rest. And I believe that's why the Bible also says, do not be yoked together with unbelievers. Does that now make sense when you look at that picture? If I am unmarried and I still have a choice of whether I can marry a believer or an unbeliever, the best idea would be not to marry the unbeliever. Because when I'm yoked together, I'm actually in submission to that. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to be in submission to an unbeliever. And we're not talking about when we are already married, that's where God's grace comes in and we can pray and we can trust Him to do incredible things. But when you are single and you have the choice, do not be unequally yoked. That's what it means. Because you are going to have to walk together and someone is going to have to carry the weight. So Jesus is calling this an invitation. He says, come to me. He's actually saying, we have a step to take. He's gentle in heart. He's not going to force himself upon us. But he says, I want to invite you to come into this place of rest. That oasis in the spirit is there. The question is just, are we going to walk towards it? Or are we going to stay in that place of weariness and heavy laden? Real rest is only found in Jesus. That word easy uh, in Matthew... 30, Matthew 11, verse 30, where it says that my yoke is easy to bear. Do you know what that word actually means? It means easy. But a deeper meaning is this. It's the word krestos, and it says that which is useful, pleasant, good, comfortable, suitable, and serviceable. That which fills a need. And Scholars, I actually looked at commentary of, I don't know how many scholars about this scripture, and it actually says that it fulfills tailor-made needs. Jesus' yoke for you and I are tailor-made, is tailor-made. That what you need, that what I need, is what he wants to give. How amazing is that? He knows what I need more than my husband knows what I need. He knows more than what I need, more than I know what I need. I think I need a beach holiday. Jesus says, you need my yoke because it is easy and it is tailor-made for you, just what you need and when you need it. Is this speaking to anyone this morning? If not, I'm preaching to myself this morning. <laughs> it's a picture of discipleship. Rest and peace and confidence. The religious system was a burden, but Jesus' yoke is built on a personal relationship. You know, all it takes is faith. That's actually all. How do I enter the rest of Jesus? I believe. <laughs> I don't have a more scholarly explanation for us this morning. It's faith. It's faith believing, number one, who Jesus says he is, that's why, Lord, I need more revelation of who you are. And number two, it is believing that he says he will do what he said he will do. Because really, if we think about it, if we think about our fearful thoughts, if we think about our worries, if we think about our stresses and our frustrations, it all comes from the same root place. We're not trusting. We're not trusting somewhere. 
we're not believing that he will do what he said he will do, and therefore we go into self-effort and works believing that it's gonna be up to us because I'm not sure if Jesus is gonna come through. Or last time, it felt like number 99, and so I'm not sure, I'm not a number 99 person, so I'm not sure if I can trust Jesus to actually come through, so maybe I will help him by going into works. And Jesus said, then you exit my rest. He actually wants us to permanently stay in this place of rest. That was a revelation to me. I want to read to you this. This is a huge scripture, Hebrews 4. I would actually encourage you to read the whole chapter. Maybe go for the whole book of Hebrews, but start with chapter 4. This is called the rest chapter. Hebrews 4. So the heading in my Bible says the promise of rest. The promise of rest. And I love this because it goes deeper into, as we said, with Matthew 28, Matthew 11, verse 28, where Jesus talks about the real rest, a spiritual inner rest. But why don't we actually read it, and then we'll talk through what, what Paul was actually saying. Hebrews 4, verse 1, Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still remains and is freely offered today, everyone say today, let us fear in case any of you may seem to come short of reaching it. Reaching what? It's talking about reaching the place of real rest. Or think he has come too late. For indeed we have had the good news of salvation preached to us, just as the Israelites also when the good news of the promised land came to them. But the message they heard did not benefit them because it was not united with faith in God by those who heard. Verse three, because for we who believe, and this is the key, like if you'd like to underline in your Bible, this is something good to underline. For we who believe, that is we who personally trust and confidently rely on God, enter that rest. So we have his inner peace now because we are confident in our salvation and assured of his power. And verse four, is there a verse four? Is it, I think I only went to verse three. Yeah, sorry. I only went to verse three. I actually ended it there because I wanted us to highlight verse two that says this. For the message they heard did not benefit them because it was not united with faith. So what is the context actually here? Paul is talking about the Israelites under Moses. They were in a place where God was actually promising them to enter the promised land. God gave them a promise and he said, I will take you to the land of milk and honey, to the land of Canaan, and it was actually supposed to be a land of rest. Now we know everything in the Old Testament is shadows and examples for us in the New Testament. So that rest that God was actually promising them under the leadership of Joshua is the same rest that Jesus is promising us today under the leadership of Jesus. That we can enter the promised land. That's why Paul says that promise is still for today. He's using the analogy of the Old Testament to say the Israelites couldn't get into their promised land of rest because of unbelief. They heard God's promise, but they hardened their hearts and they decided not to believe. So they never entered the promised land of rest. 
But today, that promise in the New Testament still stands. Jesus says, I'm inviting you to your promised land. What is our promised land? It's permanent peace and rest in security in who he is and in what he has done for us on the cross. Does that make sense this morning or am I confusing us? But how do we enter that rest? How do we enter that promised land? By faith. Because he said to them, they heard the message, but they did not believe. You know, you can hear the word of God every week and not believe. And what good will it actually do us if we just hear it, but we don't believe it? I think Jock said it earlier, without faith, we cannot please God. So to enter into that rest will actually just be faith. We have to believe that he says who he is. We have to believe that he will do what he says he will do. We have to believe that he is the one holding all of creation together and therefore we don't need to worry about the little things. We can be like the little birds playing. And I know it's easy to say this, but now we have to walk it out, amen? So the context is he was again referring to a spiritual soul rest for believers who put their full trust and faith in God. And it's not a rest from activity. I think this is important to understand. It's not a rest from activity. It's a rest in activity. Amen? What does that mean? Jesus still calls us as believers. He still has a yoke. He didn't say, I have no yoke. He said, my yoke is light. So there is still works for us to do. It's not saying we should now rest from all of our works, but we shouldn't work to earn salvation. That's the difference. Does that make sense this morning? So he's saying we must rest from trying to earn that which he already had done on the cross. And that's why Easter is so important. That's why it's so important to understand, Lord, do I have a revelation and understand what happened on the cross? Because if I don't, I will live my entire Christian journey in unrest, without peace, with stress and fear and anxiety, and no matter how many holidays I take, no matter how many soaking baths and relaxing I do, I will never relax on the inside because I don't understand the real rest of Jesus. Are you with me this morning? I know we're going deep, but it's good. Our souls need to go deep. It's a place of resting, believing, and having faith in Jesus. And you know, I've realized with me, every time I'm in a situation where, you know, sometimes in our faith we come to a situation where maybe there's an obstacle in front of us, or there's something hindering us to walk in faith, and now the Lord's either requiring us to just believe, or we have to pray, or we have to fast, or whatever, but now the enemy will come, and he will say, what are you going to do about it? And this is where we need to understand, I don't need to listen to that voice, I don't need to do anything unless Jesus tells me specifically, okay, do this. But my job is to rest in faith. Because if I believe he holds all things together, then I'm not gonna be concerned about the obstacles. I'm just gonna be faithful with what is in my hand and do what I know I need to do. I sow my seed, but the rest is up to him. I am faithful with my team on a Sunday, the rest is up to him. Does that make sense this morning? Because what the enemy will try and do is he will try and get us into a place of unrest by thinking it's our job to do something about it. 
And I saw a wonderful illustration of someone saying, you know, we need to sit in the rest of God. We need to sit down. Shall I sit here? When I sit down, God can actually go to work. But sometimes what we do, and I'm like this, I don't, you can ask Johannes, I don't sit still for a very long time. I always find something to do. In the house, I'm constantly, like I'm one of those busy bodies. So it takes a little bit of a while for me to actually relax. But when I'm actually walking about and I'm trying to do everything, then God actually can't go to work because I'm in his way. And so I felt what the Lord spoke to my heart is, can you just, can, can you need for my rustig rock and sit? Can, can you need? Because then I can actually go on. All I need is you to sit in faith, and I'm actually the one then doing the work. And many of us are not allowing the Lord to actually do that. We're too busy being Holy Spirit Junior. But today it's going to change, amen? Practically what is real rest? It is peace with God. It is freedom from bondage like oppressed spirit of laws, guilt, condemnation, and works. It's deliverance of the burdens of the world and of sin. And I believe that even as I was reading through, if you go read through the whole of Hebrews 4, it actually speaks about the Sabbath rest as well. And you know, this was again a fresh revelation to me. When you go and read about the Sabbath rest, where was the first Sabbath rest? Where does that principle actually come from? The law actually. It comes from Genesis 2 where it says that God rested on the seventh day. Now, why did God rest? God doesn't get tired. So it wasn't like he was exhausted from creating the world. It was a principle that he modeled. That word Sabbath actually means to cease from all labor. But now where do we sometimes get it wrong? One of the laws for the Israelites that the Lord gave them was to not work on the Sabbath, okay? on the seventh day, and there's many, now you've got all these Christians fighting over, is it Saturday, is it Sunday, what is the Sabbath, should we actually honor the Sabbath, blah, blah, blah. So in the Old Testament, the law of the Sabbath was actually, if you even cooked, you could be stoned. It was ceasing from all labor, even the animals, all of that. Otherwise, you could be stoned. As jy jou hoenderpoikie ansit, kan iemand jou doodmaak. Jou sondag, sabbat, hoenderpoikie. You could be killed for brine on a Sunday. That was the law in the Old Testament. Do we still honor the law in the New Testament? Nou is dit een tricky vraag, wat alles een theologie wiekie gaan skit. Jesus came to fulfill the law. Jesus came to be our Sabbath rest. Do we still rest a day a week? Is it a principle that we should honor? I think it's wise. I think it's unwise for us to work seven days a week and working so much that we never get rest. But is it a law? No. You can Sabbath, you can rest any way you want to. You can, there is no law that says Sunday sees labor. We don't, we don't operate under the law. And when I was actually preparing for this and studying for this, I actually felt like that is a burden for some people that actually needs to break today. We are not under that law. There's even, there's many things that as Christians, we still hold on to that are Old Testament. I'm not gonna go into the examples, but write this down, Colossians 2, 16. 
Paul actually also said to the Jewish Christians and to the Gentile believers, because a lot of the Jewish first Christians were still holding on to the laws of circumcision and you know, not eating certain foods and honoring the seventh day Sabbath. They were angry at Jesus for healing someone on the Sabbath. And Jesus said, I am Lord over the Sabbath. Wouldn't you actually take a sheep out of the ditch if it landed there on the Sabbath? And Jesus said, I actually came to fulfill that law. But that scripture in Colossians 2.16 says that all of those things, all of those laws were actually shadows for the New Testament to show what Jesus actually came to fulfill. And Paul actually said to the believers, you know what, each to your own conviction. If you have a conviction you want to honor Sundays, then by all means go and do it. But don't condemn someone else when they don't. Because Jesus doesn't. So should we honor a rest day? Should we have a rest day? Absolutely. Is it a law and you could be stoned if you're brying? No. Amen. Does that make sense this morning? So how do I enter that rest? Number one, I believe. Number one, I actually go to Jesus. And I exchange my yoke and my burden for his yoke that is light. And I want to, the last scripture, I want to read in the message, and then I'm going to pray for some people this morning. Matthew 11, verse 28 to 30, I want to read it to you in the message translation, which is just a paraphrased translation, but it was so beautifully worded. It says this, are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burnt out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you will recover your life. I will show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me and watch how I do it. And I love this. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. It's a daily place of moving out of rest, moving out of peace. Lord, what are you calling me to do today? I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you will learn to live freely and lightly. Is anyone ready for that kind of promise to be manifested in your life? I'm going to pray for some people, and the team can just put up that last slide. And I want you to close your eyes this morning. You know, Jesus talks about this rest. Jesus talks about this rest. Can you hear me now? Okay. He talks about this rest, and it's an eternal rest. And you know, this rest really starts by actually accepting what He did for us on the cross. And I wanna first pray for anyone here, if you are here and you've never actually surrendered your life to Jesus Christ. You've never actually come to that place where you've said, you maybe have grown up in a Christian home, you maybe have learned about Jesus in Sunday school, but you've never actually said, Jesus, come in and be Lord of my life. That's where rest begins. And I just wanna pray while everyone's eyes are closed, if there's anyone here who has never actually taken that step of becoming a born again believer, what does that mean? It means to actually surrender my life to Jesus. It's an actual decision 
by faith that we have to take. There's an actual moment, a defining moment in your life where you've decided that. And if you haven't, I want you to just gently raise your hand. I'm not gonna call you out. I'm just gonna pray for some people. If there's anyone here in this room this morning and you've never made that decision. Awesome, thank you, Lord. The second group of people I wanna pray for is if you are here this morning and this sermon or this word, these scriptures actually resonated in your heart big time and you're, you're saying, Marissa, that's me. I actually feel tired. And I'm not talking physically, tired on the inside. My brain is weary. I feel like I'm carrying so much on my shoulders and it's becoming too heavy for me. I want you to just raise your hand. If you're carrying stuff that you know is not yours to carry and you feel like you can't carry it any longer, we are gonna pray and we're gonna take a step of faith this morning. You know, the other thing about sitting on a chair is when you actually sit, you trust that the chair will carry your weight. You don't actually sit in the air scared that the chair is going to break. You just sit and trust. And Jesus is calling us back to that place of sitting and trusting. And so this morning, I just want us to stand, keep your eyes closed. And we're gonna pray and we're gonna take a prophetic action this morning. You can just stand. We're gonna take a prophetic action this morning as we pray. You can keep your eyes closed. And there's many of us who raised our hands this morning. And I want you to think about the weight. Think about how heavy it is this morning. Ask the Holy Spirit to show you what is the weight that you are carrying that is not yours to carry. Ask Him to show you. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are speaking to each one of us right now. Lord, show us the burdens that we are carrying that we are not supposed to carry. And I want you to actually, we're gonna do a prayer right now and we're gonna do a prophetic action. What is a prophetic action? I'm doing something in the natural that has a spiritual effect. And this is what the Lord showed me. I want to remove the yokes of my people this morning. I want you to take as if you've got bricks on your shoulders. I want you to take those bricks on your shoulders physically and throw it off. And I want you to just repeat after me as I do this. You can just pray after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I take these weights. Take it physically. I take these weights and I cast it off in Jesus' name. I ask you right now for your burden that is easy that is light. And I ask for your forgiveness today for loading burdens on my shoulders that was never mine to carry. I ask for your peace, Jesus, to fill me right now from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet every part of my being. You are the Prince of Peace. Come and help me to walk with you 
to listen to you, to follow you, to be at peace, to be at rest every single day. Help me to take my thoughts captive by speaking to me through your word. Give me a new love for your word. I want to walk lightly with you. In Jesus' name. And Father, I just want to pray a corporate prayer over every person in this room this morning and every person watching online and listening right now. Lord, I thank you, Father, that it's the anointing that breaks the yoke. So right now, Father, we break off fear in the name of Jesus. We break anxiety in the name of Jesus. Lord, any of these burdens that we were carrying, we cast it down today in Jesus' name. And we thank you, Lord, that your burden will be light and it will be easy for us to walk in. And so Father, I pray that we will walk out of this place today lighter and freer and with a better understanding of your perfect rest that you are calling us to. In Jesus' name, Lord, and I thank you, Father, that you will take us from strength to strength and glory to glory. And I pray, Father, that you will also help us to build healthy rhythms in our lives, Lord that we do also act wisely in our physical rest and in our working. Lord, that we don't keep loading things on ourselves that you didn't give for us. And Father, I pray for your supernatural peace to be on every person this morning. As they walk out of here, Lord, I pray that they will have a different week this week. Lord, when they wake up on Monday morning, they will wake up lighter and with a new sense of hope and a fresh sense of joy and peace in you because that is the kingdom. That is the kingdom. And Jesus, we thank you, Lord, for what you came to accomplish for us. And we ask that you have your way in each one of us, in our families, in our businesses, Lord, in this church, in this city, and in this nation. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. Amen.